Good morning. No, seriously. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Presbyterian Church. We're worshiping Jesus Christ, living out God's love, and transforming community by the Holy Spirit. Am I the only one that's grateful that it's November? No. I felt like September was the shortest month in the history of the world, or the longest, and then October was the shortest. I flipped those. And it's cranking towards Christmas. We are excited. I'm excited you're here. A um, couple things that came in your bulletins, your orders of worship. One of them is this little note. I have a feeling that it has something to do with the sermon, Attitude of Gratitude. So don't, uh, don't throw that away between now and the sermon. And then there's also this envelope, one great hour of sharing, Hurricane Disaster Relief. My in-laws were just outside. Uh, they live in Cape Coral, and they just came out to visit, and they were with us for a couple weeks. And it's still it's devastatingly barren. Um, they're dealing with, con- he's a pastor too, he's dealing with congregants that lost everything. And so um, pray about giving above and beyond and just putting that in the offering plate and putting that in with the, no- no- the donation that's going to be coming from Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. Um, anything else? Next week, we're going to ordain and install our new class of deacons and elders during the service, so don't miss out on that. Um, and there's a lot of colds going around. So I think I'm just going to say, hey, let's go back to the fist bumps for a little bit. And so instead of, you know, hugging and all that, just give the fist bumps, you know, keep some space. So maybe we can uh, avoid some of these flus and these colds floating around. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm excited that Sharon is preaching this morning, Jaeger-Lenner, and uh, freed up a bunch of mental space. And at first on Thursday, I'll just be honest with you, it's just you and I, right? Uh, I was like, I don't know if I like this job when I'm not preaching, because Thursdays are my sermon prep day. But then we did a memorial for Gil Keller, and I was like, yeah, I do love this job. I love just interacting. I love the people that I serve, and uh, thank you. Anyway, let's stand and receive the call to worship. Let's quiet our hearts, still our minds. And I'm going to be reading our call to worship. If you ever want to know, it comes from a lectionary text. We, I pick the lectionary psalm, and I pick a couple verses out of the lectionary text, and I read out of the Passion Translation, and this morning I'm going to be reading out of Psalm 98, verses 2 through 4. Everyone knows how God has saved us, for he has displayed his justice throughout history. He never forgets to show us his love and his faithfulness. How kind he has been to Israel. All the nations know how he stands behind his people and how he saves his own. So go ahead, everyone. Shout. Shout out your praises with joy. Break out of the box and let loose with the most joyous sound of praise. Let's rejoice, ye pure in heart.
Please be seated. And I think we've combined the message for children and youth in the blessing of the shoeboxes. Is that correct? Okay, perfect. So I'm going to invite Carlina up and our children and our youth. Good morning. So today we are doing uh, our annual blessing or prayer over the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes that have been packed so far this season. These are shoeboxes that were packed by, by you, and we also have another 87 shoeboxes that are packed and ready to go in room five. So I, I'll be able to give you a, a tally you know, once we get going this week and, and add them all up, and I'm sure a few more will be trickling in as the week goes along. Um, and again, this is just the beginning of the, of these, of the journey of these shoeboxes. From here, uh, they'll be packed into cartons here at PCC and then taken to another location in Huntington Beach. Then they go up to Fullerton to the processing center, and then they finally get shipped out on, on ships out of Long Beach, and they're on their way to various countries all over the world. So this is just the, the first step today um, in the, their journey. So... Uh, like I said, we'd like to, to say a prayer with our, our children and our youth ministries. And um, if you just bow your heads and join us in prayer. Thank you. Dear God, thank you for making Operation Christmas Child possible again this year. We are blessed to be a part of it. We know all things are possible through you. And we pray that you get just the right shoebox to the specific child that needs it. Please bless these shoe boxes and remove obstacles in their way. And please help with customs and delivery and shoe boxes to remote locations. We pray that every shoe box is a gospel opportunity and that the children who receive them see how wonderful you are through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray, these, we pray that these children participate in the greatest journey lessons to become your disciples and we pray that they share this good news with their families, friends, and neighbors, and that churches are planted in their communities. We ask you to bless everyone on both sides of these shoeboxes, from the children that receive them to all the volunteers that make it possible. Please bless churches like PCC that pack shoeboxes. May our faith become even stronger by participating in Operation Christmas Child. Heavenly Father, Please hear the prayers of our children, students, and our entire congregation. We know these shoebox gifts will bring joy to the children in need and serve as an opportunity to share the greatest gift of all, eternal salvation through your Son. You've taught us that it is a blessing to give as well as to receive. Help us to truly feel this, knowing we are doing your kingdom work by making disciples of all nations. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of serving you. In Jesus' name, amen.
do the prayer of confession. Singing those words has touched my heart so much. And I just want to tell you a little story. Uh, When my son was in high school, he had a friend, and that friend and I became close. And he always calls me mom. And every year on Mother's Day, he comes with a gift. And I think of him as a young man, but he's 50. But anyway, anyway, he's been sick for quite some time. And Friday evening, he received a heart transplant and Saturday morning, a kidney transplant. And both of them went really well. And he had texted me just before the first surgery, and, and he was scared. And I said, Trust in God. Trust in the power of prayer. And trust your doctors. And both procedures went really well. And as I was singing the, to God be the glory, it's like, yes. (laughs) So now, into the prayer of confession. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yet we are justified by the gift of God's grace through the redemption of ours in Christ Jesus. Trusting in God's mercy, let us confess our sin. Almighty God, you love us, but we have not loved you. You call, but we have not listened. We walk away from neighbors in need wrapped in our own concerns. We condone evil, prejudice, 
warfare, and greed. God of grace, help us to admit our sin, so that as you come to us in mercy, we may repent, turn to you, and receive forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Hear the good news. Hope does not disappoint. For God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us in baptism. Believe this good news and give thanks to Jesus Christ, for we are forgiven.
So from the music you've heard and everything, I'm sure you have the idea that uh, something is happening that has to do with giving thanks. So, and thank you, everybody, for the good interlude into this. As is common in the Gospel of Luke, Luke shows Jesus as one who cared. Many of the stories told show their message through simple, everyday events. The lost coin, sowing seed, seeing the lamplight. Jesus cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits. The deaf could hear. Lepers were cleansed. Even the dead were raised. Jesus' mercies extended beyond boundaries. This passage could be seen as one more episode of healing, but this one has a different focus. Listen to Luke's words from chapter 19. Loving God. First of all, I'll read Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him, keeping their distance. They called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Loving God, help us to hear your holy word, that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus' disciples play no part in this story. But since Jesus was on his final journey to Jerusalem, we can assume that at least some of them were present. Some commentators have questioned Luke's understanding of the geography of the area. He writes that they were traveling through a region between the two countries. To be very picky, there was no region between Samaria and Galilee because their borders were right next to each other. So they were most likely traveling along the border of the two countries. However, this is important to the setting of this story, because it is likely that in that area, Jesus could come across both Jews and Samaritans in the same place. As the men saw Jesus, they maintained the required 50 feet distance as they called out to him. Luke describes them not just as lepers, but as men with leprosy, therefore humanizing and dignifying them. Jesus would have known in an instant who and what they were. God had commanded Moses to send all persons with leprosy out of the camp so the camp would not be defiled. The book of Leviticus gives extreme details about the disease and the laws concerning it. One section states, The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes 
and let the hair of his head be disheveled, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This action cut them off from society, from family, friends, from their livelihood. Since they could not labor as they once had, they had to depend on family to leave food or clothing or items for shelter. They could only ask for mercy. Given that there was no cure, they could expect to live this way for the rest of their lives. And if that wasn't bad enough, leprosy was considered a sign of God's disfavor. So they also had to face the disgust that people showed them. Their community of others equally afflicted became their family. All were outcasts who were feared and despised. At that time, Samaritans were avoided by the Jews. John writes, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. They were considered pagan, and beneath them, shunned by all. So a Samaritan with leprosy was a doubly hated outcast. But because they shared a common bond of their disease, they joined together as a community unto themselves. We even see such actions in the animal kingdom, animals seeking shelter from flood or fire, will be side by side with ones they would normally see as prey. People with a common bond do the same thing. I recall when I facilitated support groups, the common pain of their loss united everyone in the room, in spite of some being young or old, doctors, professionals, and even former gang members. They have remained friends many years later. There were no boundaries. For this little group of Samaritans and Jews, they were just men suffering together. Seeing Jesus, the men cried out for mercy. Even crying out was a challenge because leprosy tends to dry out the throat and gives the sufferer a low, husky voice. Seeing their pitiable condition, Jesus had mercy on them. They may have heard of the healer Jesus, for they called him Master, or they may have just been hoping for food and other necessities. But Jesus looked, and he saw men in need, not Jews or Samaritans, or unclean individuals, but simply men. His response, go and show yourself to the priest, the only one who could declare them clean. Without hesitation and showing extreme trust in this man's words, they immediately headed off to see the priest. They had great hope. The man they called master would not send them to a priest for nothing. So in faith, they set out as they were, ravaged by their disease, clothed in torn garments. Only they were on their, as they were on their way, did the healing take place. Imagine their reaction as they looked down at the rotting, diseased limbs and saw fresh, new skin and bones and realized they had been given a gift of new life. Can't you see them showing each other their new bodies and realizing what that meant? They were well. Their exile was over. They could go home 
They could be with their families. They could live again. But of the ten, one man, a dreaded Samaritan, realizes that the man who had spoken these few words was revealing the voice and action of God. It was God who healed them. What a revelation. Those who should have recognized the hand of God did not see it. Why did the Samaritans see and understand that God was at work? The other nine needed the proclamation of the priest to authenticate God's power. In that moment, the Samaritan realized that no one is beyond God's mercy. Samaritan or Jew, leper or clean. And in that realization, he could do nothing other than return and give thanks. Why did the other nine not return in gratitude too? Luke implies that they were less grateful. They were certainly thankful. Were they just so eager to return to their families and their former lives that they could not think of anything else? They called out to Jesus in desperation. Jesus heard their cries. He cured them. And nine never said thanks. We too often fail to give God thanks for all we have been given. Our God is the giver of all good gifts, food, breath, music, the smile on the face of family or friends. We too cry out to God in our need. We pray. God answers. Time passes. We forget and move on. Many people don't even give thanks at the dinner table. God gave his only son that we might have life. Do we ever think of that and give thanks? Psalm 103 tells us, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, And do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live. This man did not just come and say thank you. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, shouting in a loud voice that had been restored. He was overwhelmed with joy and gratitude. He had been given an unwarranted gift. He was not even a Jew and certainly did not deserve this. It makes me think of the verse as Jesus traveled on, when he chastised the crowd, saying, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. How do you react to really good news? The doctor's visit that has the relief that you are healed. The report of a successful surgery. Winning the lottery. The estranged child coming home. This was a moment for wholehearted gratitude. I think of little children when they go out trick-or-treating, being showered with handfuls of candy, and they have done nothing to deserve it, just because. All they have to do is stand there and look cute. No wonder they are wide-eyed and may need to be reminded to say thank you. God's gifts, too, can be overwhelming. Jesus asked where the other nine were. Where were they indeed? Did they not see God in their healing? Could it be that since they were cured, 
they had no more need of God. They could just head home and enjoy life and get busy with family and activities. Do we do the same thing? We pray fervently, asking God for something, for a healing, maybe improved finances, family troubles. We are close to God during this time, praying fervently. Then God grants us the desires of our hearts. What happens? We don't need God so intensely. We may forget to pray. Do we say thank you as fervently as we made that request? Or are we suddenly too busy for God? In response to the thanks, Jesus sent the Samaritan on his way, telling him he was well. Not just cured of leprosy, but spiritually well, made whole. His eyes had been opened, and he saw Jesus for who he was, God in action. And he was a Samaritan. In return, he was given more than just a new normal life. He was made whole. He was an outcast, no more. Jesus wants to do more than just heal our ills. He wants relationships with us. Jesus told him to get up and go into a new life. He was resurrected. The nine missed out on being made whole. Throughout scripture, healing has been a sign of the kingdom of God present in the world. When Jesus was asked if he was the long-expected Messiah, he answered, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. Whether they acknowledged it or not, This group of men saw God in action. To respond rightly is to praise and glorify God. With Thanksgiving just a short distance away, we are focused on being thankful. How often do we stop to thank God? When someone asks how we are, we may say, fine or great, Do we ever say grateful? Gratitude is our response to our blessing and shows that we have seen those blessings and can name them and we know who to thank. Our gratitude is expressed in word and deed. Our weekly worship is not simply hearing God's story but hearing through scripture, sermon, and music, which helps us to see God at work in our lives and in the world. Our recent stewardship campaign was not so much about pledges and giving as about seeing all that we have been given and showing our gratitude through our actions. Martin Luther was once asked to describe true worship. His response, the leper turning back. True worship is recognizing where God is active, thereby acknowledging God in our midst. How often do we remind children, did you say thank you? When one grandson was graduating from high school, I even gave him a package of thank you cards with a reminder to properly thank those who had given him gifts. And he did. I sometimes feel the Thanksgiving holiday is our reminder as a nation to say thanks for the many gifts and blessings we have received. So what is the message of this passage for us? 
God is asking us to see, really see our worlds, to see the needs and to see the gifts. And then God is asking us to act in response. When the leper saw what was happening in his body, he didn't just celebrate his healing. He knew he had to go back, give thanks, and praise God. Faith is a matter of seeing the gift and knowing who the giver is. Our response should then be rejoicing in a way that shapes our actions, that others will see the things that we do and give glory to God. Be the one out of ten. What do we see and what do we do when we see? First, we need to really see the needs of others as Jesus did. Nora sees numerous homeless people every day in this office. Instead of just giving them a lunch and sending them on their way, she has an idea that will involve the church and the Mission and Outreach Committee in ways that will see to the deeper need of these people and have them making the holidays brighter and showing them as a church, we care. Treating them as people, not just as homeless. There will be a card with a gift card and a bag of gifts. See and respond is what God is asking of us, and you will have an opportunity to participate in that. A grateful person sees others' acts of love and kindness and is, as experiences of God's grace and responds with gratitude. Who has touched you by a simple act of kindness? Thanks be to God for that person. Who has looked at you as Jesus looked at those ten men? saw a need, and responded. Thanks be to God. We have the gift of life. We woke up this morning. Thanks be to God. If we have the gift of health, we know what a precious gift it is. We can look at love on the face of family and friends and realize what a gift that is. Thanks be to God. Have you seen a beautiful sunset? Waves splashing on the beach. A baby's sweet smile. See and enjoy and give thanks to the giver. We are blessed daily in many ways we fail to see, cannot repay, and fail to show our gratitude. Like the nine, we accept and continue on our way. What is gratitude calling you to do? Where is it calling you to go? Go now. And now to solve the little mystery of that envelope in your bulletin, it's a thank you card. And my challenge is for you to write a note of thanks and send it out this week. It can be to someone in the church, family, friends. I'm asking you to really see someone who has blessed you and give thanks to them, and in doing so, give thanks to God. We just sang my tribute with the words, The voices of a million angels cannot express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to you. To God be the glory for the things he has done. Our message today is to see the gifts and remember the giver. 
To God be the glory. Amen. And will you pray with me? Loving God, as we have so often been touched by your love, help us to show you our thankfulness by reaching out to others that you may also touch them through us. Help us to see how wonderfully you have blessed us, that we may pass those blessings to others in word and deed. Amen. And as we continue in worship, thank you, Sharon. Uh, as we continue in worship, now it's part of the service where we return thanks. We give thanks uh, through tithes and offerings. For those of us listening on the podcast, please send your gifts, tithes, and offerings to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And for those of us here, uh, put them in the offering plates on your way out. This morning's offering and tithes are now received.
be seated. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? The Pharisees asked Jesus. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and prophets hangs on these two commandments. From Genesis to Malachi, to Revelation, and everything in between is dependent on loving God and loving each other. That's it. Will you please pray with me? Eternal and loving God, teach us to love. Show us how to love you first, and then how to love those around us. Train us to be a people, your people, that hunger for your love and thirst to love your creation, just as they are, sometimes very difficult to love. Holy God, we pray for our world, a world in need of a Savior, a world in need of you, Jesus. We continue to lift our prayers for Ukraine and its citizens. We continue to pray for an end to this war. We continue to pray for your protection and provision over Ukraine's people. We continue to pray for the Russian aggressors to retreat. We continue to pray for peace. What could this world look like if we truly loved as you commanded? Merciful Father, we pray too for our country and the division and discord that seems so prevalent. 
The midterm elections are over. The people have cast their votes. And now we pray for unity and healing and peace. What a privilege it is to live in a country that affords us so many freedoms. Remind us that these freedoms are not free. Thank you, Lord, for all of the men and women who serve in our armed services and protect our land and protect our citizens. They and their family's sacrifice mean so much, and we are deeply grateful, Lord. Loving Lord Jesus, we pray for our family, our friends, and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we continue to pray for our dear sister, Kay Dear. May your loving kindness surround and comfort her. May our prayers wash over her like a healing salve. Lord, we pray, too, for those around us experiencing respiratory illnesses and relapses. Father, we pray for your healing and a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit for each one. Gracious God, we pray for your ruach, for your spirit to rest heavily on this congregation. Use us, we pray. Embolden us to live out your gospel message and love this corner of Costa Mesa. Father, we pray for your wisdom for Pastor Sharon, for Pastor Jason, for our session and leadership. May we be known as Christ followers that love you first and live out that love to those around us. May it be so. Unite us as we pray the prayer you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and let us join in our final hymn together.
as we go forth from here today, I just invite you to take a look every day at the gifts and blessings that you have received. Look at the world around you and see others in need of a gift or blessing from you. And then do it. And come rejoicing before God, the giver of every good and perfect gift. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all today and every day as you go forth in gratitude. Amen.